chapter 10. We've been journeying through these I am statements of Jesus, and we're actually now at the point where we're at, uh, we're really kind of continuing. If you were with us last week, continuing where we really left off, because last week was Jesus stating that I am the door. And this week, we're going to see him state another I am statement. And as you're finding John chapter 10, uh, it was the year 2007. Tiffany and I, we were uh, called to Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. I was going to be the pastor uh, there at the church, uh, Beatty Baptist in Paul's Valley, Oklahoma. And um, I was 26 years old, being called to be a senior pastor. It was very nerve-wracking, very frightening. Um, and as we made our way into that, that town, we realized that this is very different from what we're accustomed to. I would say that we're both uh, city boy, city girl, and we went into rural Oklahoma, and we had an opportunity to pastor a lovely group of people, but it was a very different kind of culture than we were accustomed to. Um, there were a lot of individuals who owned cattle and owned land, and so I had the opportunity to be able to kind of get accustomed to some of the stuff that they did. And specifically, there were two men that the way that they treated their cattle was like the way some of you treat your pets. Uh, it was actually quite remarkable of how, how close they were. One guy in particular just wanted the cattle on his land uh, for tax purposes. He didn't want to do really anything with the cattle other than just let them be. And the other guy was a little bit more of uh, your typical kind of ranch hand and just wanting to make sure that he had cattle, but also for financial purposes, and every now and then, sometimes those financial purposes uh, uh, allowed meat to get into my, uh, my freezer at my house, so I was never disappointed in that. Um, but what I found was, I remember in particular, uh, one of the men, his name was Gail, he's with the Lord now, and just a, a wonderful godly man, and he, when I would see him in, interact with his cattle, he, he knew them by, by just looking at them, and I was like, Gail, they all just, they're, they're cows. Like, how can you tell that one's Betty and that one's Susie or that one's whatever? And he's like, he's like, oh, I was there when, you know, Betty was born and I was helping pull the legs out. And he said, you're going to get to do that one day, Pastor. I came this close to getting to go to a birth. I probably would have passed out and thrown up, but it would have been awesome. <laughs> um, and so it's just like, I know them. And, and then I would also see that he, as he was around the cattle, he could be outside, and one of two things would happen is maybe the cattle weren't aware that he was out there, and so he might give like a certain kind of whistle that with his, just his tone and everything, like they would immediately recognize there's Gale, and they would turn their heads, turn their attention, and they would come towards him. Like they, they knew his call. They knew his voice. Because I think what they realize is this is someone that though I can't talk to him, I, I recognize he feeds me, he takes care of me, he protects me. He makes sure that when the elements are intense, that I'm going to be uh, in, in the barn and not just out in the field. Whenever um, there might be predators nearby, he's going to fight for me. He's going to defend me. And, and what, what I found was just this incredible picture of, of, of a very good man just wanting to be good and decent to, uh, to his cattle that, that he just knew. And the reason why I bring that up is because we're continuing this study and theme, really picking up from last week. Like these two are very connected. That, yeah, last week was Jesus said, I am the door. But today, Jesus is saying, I am the good shepherd. That is, that is his I am statement today. I am the good shepherd. And just as a reminder, as a bit of context, you'll remember this if you were with us. If not, you can go back and watch. But chapter 10 and chapter 9 should really be one chapter. Like this is a continuation of a story. And the story goes, if you'll remember, is in chapter 9, there's a guy who was born blind, and Jesus comes into his life, and he has the miraculous moment of this guy can now see. 
He's excited. The whole community is excited. And they take him to the temple so that way he can finally worship in the way that he always wanted to. But because he was blind, he had some restrictions of his ability to worship. And they bring him into the temple, and the religious leaders are disappointed that this man can see because they don't believe it. And they seem to have this notion that if Jesus is involved with this in any way, we really don't believe it. Like We're going to be so stubborn and blind to the reality of what just happened that uh, we're going to kind of call you out if you weren't really blind, you were just kind of playing the system the whole time. So they bring the parents in, and the parents are like, yeah, he's, he's been blind. And they're like, well, how did this happen? And the parents, because of fear of how they'll be treated within the same religious system, they're like, ah, we don't know. He's an adult. Ask him. Even though they know it was Jesus who made this possible. And so they get cast out, or specifically the blind man who is now can see, he's no longer blind, he gets cast out. That's the language that's used there. The, the religious leaders cast him out of their religious system is literally what they're doing. They're like, you can't come back to the temple. And what I love is the very next verse, Jesus found him and he brought him into his fold. He's like, they're casting you out, but I take those who are cast out. I take those who are maybe uh, the weak and the poor and the, and the, and the small, like, I'm, I'm bringing you in. And he begins to use this agrarian imagery that is kind of different for us because we don't generally think in those terms because we aren't really, for most of us, probably brought up in an agrarian culture, an agricultural culture. Uh, we're, we're not used to that. But he's starting to use imagery that they, in their context, would easily understand. And he's using the imagery of sheep and shepherds. And so last week, really the, the main point that Jesus was wanting to make was, was two things. One, do you know the shepherd's voice? Do you know the voice of your shepherd, the voice of, of Jesus? And have you entered through the door? Because remember, the door is the shepherd. The sheepfold that was out in the countryside would have no gate because other shepherds would take their sheep there whenever they were out in the countryside and they needed to spend the night and they couldn't get back to town. And so what would happen is he would, that shepherd in the countryside would bring his sheep into that sheepfold out there in the middle of nowhere, and then to protect his sheep, he would sit where the door would be because he's the door. And if you wanted to be a part of his fold to be able to get into there, you had to go through him. And that's how Jesus is saying, that's who I am. I am the door. So essentially what he's asking, what we saw last week, is are you in God's flock and I had to look that up. I was like, is it a flock? Is it, uh, is it, what is it? It's a flock. Are you part of his flock? Are you one of his sheep? And the thing is, is those who are listening to this, when Jesus is talking in this moment in chapter 9 and 10, they would all be saying, well, of course I am. I, I, I was born and raised as a Jewish man or woman. I know Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd. And Jesus is almost kind of being like, not, not, not so fast. Do you know my father? Do you know his voice? When he calls, do you hear? Because you know the voice of your shepherd. And he's like, I'm talking right now and you're not recognizing me. And so today, what we're going to see is in, in verses 11 through 18, we're going to read and we're going to pull a few different verses out as well. But follow along with me in John 10, verses 11 through 18. This is kind of where it picks up at this point. He says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for his sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. Here it is again. I am the good shepherd. 
I know my own and my own know me, even as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life so that that I may take it again. No one has taken it away from me, but I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This commandment I received from the Father. Today, my hope is that what you will see in our, our text of what Jesus is describing is that in Scripture, you'll see that Jesus is indeed the good shepherd. And as a result, I don't know where you are in your walk with the Lord right now, whether you have one or whether you don't, or whether it's just kind of off, uh, you're a little bit distant, recognize that if he is indeed the good shepherd, that you would say, I want to follow him because he is good and he's worthy to trust because again, he is good. And we're going to see today four pieces of evidence that qualify Jesus to indeed be the one and only good shepherd of your soul. Let's pray to that end. Pray with me. Father, I'm asking that this morning, again, with everything that's going on in the midst of our lives, Lord, that for a moment that we could just see the truth from your word that your son is so good and so kind and so gracious and so giving that we would choose and want to follow and trust him. And so would you, where you're at right now, would you pray for yourself? Would you just ask the Lord to help you to follow and trust him a little bit more today than you did yesterday? And if you would, would you pray for me that I'll help be a help to you and to communicate this truth to you? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I'm going to give you the four uh, pieces of evidence, the things that qualify what a good shepherd is, and then we're going to look at them. The four are this. The good shepherd, he knows his sheep, he calls his sheep, he dies for his sheep, and he protects his sheep. Those are the four things that I'm wanting us to see, these four bits of evidence. And again, we'll go back through one by one uh, as to where we're getting this from, and we're not just making it up. But the good shepherd, he knows his sheep, he calls his sheep, he dies for his sheep, and he protects his sheep. Let's look at that first one. Now, we know that the good shepherd is Jesus. So the first thing I want us to see this morning is that Jesus knows his sheep. Jesus knows his sheep. In verse 14 and 15 specifically, it says, Jesus says, I am the good shepherd, and there's that word, I know my own, and my own know me. He goes on, and even as the Father knows me, and I know the Father. There's this idea of knowledge. Oftentimes what can happen is we can get, whether we mean to or not, we can kind of get puffed up, especially if you've grown up in the church and you're like, I know the Bible. I kind of really know all that I need to know within the Bible. Like, I'm, I'm good. That's what I need to know. But our biblical knowledge and our understanding can kind of puff us up because I got enough in my head. I don't have to worry about my, my heart. I can recite a verse or two. I can go to the MPA and, and pick up some more information. I can go to Bible college or to seminary. I can get all of these different degrees. But the question is, do you know Jesus in the fullest sense? And again, I don't want you to have an idea of just kind of assuming something this morning, but do you know Jesus in the fullest sense? 
It's one thing to read about him, which is good. That's a great place to begin, but to know him. Uh, when I was younger, um, I really enjoyed rock climbing, and I could read about rock climbing, and I could, I could read how to do these different moves and all these different degrees of difficulty and whether you, know, you would use this kind of uh, move uh, to, 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 to clear this, uh, this rock or if you wanted to go bouldering. And I had all this information, and it was good, and it was needed, it was helpful, but I also needed that experiential knowledge. I just needed to go climb. I just needed to go out either to a rock gym or I preferred just going outside and just hands and feet on the rock just climbing so I'm experiencing. I know what it is to actually climb the rock. That's one idea of this idea of knowledge, of Jesus knowing his sheep. But there's another idea of knowledge that we see all throughout Scripture and it has everything to do with intimacy. Now, intimacy always doesn't, doesn't always mean uh, sexual intimacy. Sometimes that's where people's mind goes of, oh, well, that's intimacy. That can be intimate, but it also cannot be. Intimacy is far deeper and more profound. Intimacy is something of where people are connecting at a, at a deep heart level that is just kind of inexplainable. And what you have here is you have this loving fellowship, this love relationship of where Jesus knows intimately who his sheep are. He knows them by name. He calls them out by name. The the example of this is you can see countless times in scriptures where it will say something to the effect of Adam knew his wife and had a child. Like there's that intimacy that is involved. And as a result of that intimacy, there's there's a byproduct of it. And we even kind of see it here in the text. And in, verse, in these verses that I just read to you about knowing his sheep and he and the Father know one another, you even see later in verse 17, he, he says, for this reason, the Father loves me. So when, when you think about this idea that the good shepherd, one of the things that qualifies Jesus to be the good shepherd is that he knows his sheep, there is head knowledge that he knows you, but it's also this sense of love. He loves you. There's that intimacy of that relationship. Now, look at verse 27. I want you to see verse 27 of John chapter 10. This is him continuing in this discussion with this group here. And in verse 27, he says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. Here's an interesting question to ask yourself. Is Does the shepherd know you? Does the shepherd know you? There's a passage in the book of Galatians chapter 4. In Galatians 4, it says, but now that you have come to know God, or rather be known by God. It's something to know about Jesus, to know about God. It's something altogether different for God to know you. And you might say, well, he's omniscient. He's all-knowing, so he knows everything. But again, we're not talking about just head knowledge. We're talking about an intimate relationship with you, that he knows who you are, that you are his. And, and, and so I would say it's better that, great, you, you got your, your knowledge from camp or from VBS or from Sunday school. You, you have this information, but does God know you? Sometimes we just know about God, and that's not, that's not enough. I, I've heard some preachers say that you've missed, <laughs> you missed heaven by like 18 inches from your head to your heart. Like you have this intellectual knowledge, but do you know him in your heart so that you don't miss eternal glory with him forever and ever. Because the reality is, is that there are some who are going to have grown up in church, and this terrifies me, people who have grown up in church, know the truth, could recite the Bible, could recite the gospel or the Roman road or the four spiritual laws and be like, this is what it means to have a relationship with Jesus. And listen to the end of the Sermon on the Mount that Jesus shared. In Matthew chapter 7, he says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, 
will enter the kingdom of heaven. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? And in your name, did we not cast out demons? And in your name, perform many miracles? And then this is it. I will declare to them, here's the word, I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. And what are you, what are you banking your salvation in eternity on? That you know about Jesus? Or is it that I know he knows me? I know that he knows me as his sheep, a part of his fold. Does Jesus know you? Do you belong to him? A relationship with Jesus is personal. He knows you. He loves you. That makes him a good shepherd. A relationship with Jesus is indeed personal. He knows you. He loves you. And sometimes I get asked this question, well, how do I know that I know that I know? Again, you know how do I know that he knows me? When he calls you, do you hear him? When, when he speaks to you, do your ears perk up? Because the same way with those cattle, Gail's cattle in, in Oklahoma, as soon as he whistled or as he spoke up, they're just, whew, where's he at? Sometimes for us, sometimes we're like, well, how do I know that God knows me? Am I going to be one of those who did all the church stuff, all the ministry stuff, and I exhausted myself trying to prove myself to him that I am worthy to be a part of your kingdom and, and to be a, a part of your, your fold? And, and the reality is, is he's just saying, man, I just want to love you. When I call, will you listen? Are you so busy and exhausted with trying to earn my love as opposed to just receiving my love? He knows you. That leads us to the second thing. Jesus, the good shepherd, he calls his sheep. He calls his sheep. So he not only knows them, he calls them. He calls his sheep. Look at verse 3 and 4 of chapter 10. Again, it says, He who enters by the door is a shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens. And note this, the sheep hear his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he puts forth all his own, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him again because they know his voice. Jesus calls his sheep who already know him and already know his voice because they're part of his flock. In verse 16, he says, I have other sheep which are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will hear my voice and they will become one flock with one shepherd. I love that here we're seeing this moment where in the previous verses, he's talking a lot to his Jewish audience and his Jewish community that are you a part of the fold of God? Are you a part of my fold as the son of God? And then he's branching out to saying, there's going to be others who have, who have not been a part of this fold, and we're bringing them in. He's talking about, in this moment, Jew and Gentile, which for, I imagine for a lot of us, you're Gentile, like, like, like me. It's that thing of we're being grafted in. We're being invited in. He's calling all people, any tongue, any language, any, any ethnicity that we're invited in to be able to be a part of his fold. This isn't an exclusive thing for a particular group. It's for, it's for everybody. And sometimes I've been around people that they may not articulate it like this, but they'll say, Jesus really is for that decent man. Or Jesus really is maybe for that honorable father, the one who's really doing his best and trying, or the nurturing mother. Jesus really is that shepherd that would be available for the benevolent middle-aged person or the well-behaved child, but he couldn't really be for me. He couldn't call me because you don't know who I am and what I have done and what I've thought, and there's just no way that he would invite me in. And the reality is, is that he's calling you out. 
The Father specifically is calling you to Himself. He's trying to draw you to Himself, even in a time like this. And this is what I also wanted to say, is that for some of you, you may feel distant, and you may feel distant from the Good Shepherd because you actually are distancing yourself from the Good Shepherd. But can you hear His voice today just saying, man, come by my side, walk with me. Live with me. I'm calling you. Why are you out there on the fringe of your faith, just kind of trying to figure it out on your own? When I'm right here, and you could be walking with me, walking with the shepherd, so that you can be in my presence and in my shade and, 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 and in my protective arms. That, that, this idea of calling the sheep, um, I was thinking about this. I was trying to think how to illustrate this. I, rem- I remember when I got married to Tiffany in 2005, I can remember one of the first times where uh, her mom called, and she called my phone. I was like, hey, you know, do, 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 do you need Tiffany? She's like, no, I'm calling you. <laughs> Why? <laughs> You're my son now. I'm like, okay, that's different. I, 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 I kind of have two moms now. And it's like that thing of like, all of a sudden I'm in. In the same way that if she calls me and she's like, hey, you know, we're getting things prepared for, you know, maybe some kind of uh, get together and coming in. And, and my mindset can't be anymore. Oh, well, that's for Tiffany. She wants her daughter to come in. It's, it's I'm in the family. I'm in. I'm, I'm a part of this group. This is, a, this is being called and you're, you're in. The same is true for some of you. Sometimes maybe because, I don't know, maybe because of an experience that you had or maybe because you got burned in a church situation, you're like, can I really be involved or a part? And Jesus say, man, you are a part of this family. Like you are in. It's not just for those. It's for you to be in because you are a part. So that, that, that's kind of the, the other thing. Um, a relationship with Jesus is not only personal, but it's also familial. And when he calls you, it's in the same way of like a, a loving parent just calling you in and saying, come on in. It's kind of like, remember when you're out playing as a kid and you could hear your mom just call out or, or if it was, if it was a, maybe kind of a nerve-wracking thing, your dad calls out and it's like, I got to go in. It's time to go in. I'm getting called in. Now he calls you and you know his voice. A relationship with Jesus is personal and it's familial. Third thing, this is another evidence of a good shepherd, the good shepherd, is the good shepherd Jesus died for his sheep. He died for his sheep. Look, look, look here, it says, um, as we see this, there are going to be some great and profound truths when it comes to the good shepherd specifically laying down his life for his sheep. In verse 11, he says he lays down his life. In verse 15, he says, I lay down my life for the sheep. In verse 17, I lay down my life so that I may take it again. In verse 18, I lay it down on my own initiative. I have authority to lay it down and have authority to take it up again. What that's telling me that Jesus is articulating here is that Jesus is willing to die willingly and voluntarily. This is his choice to do so. One, out of great obedience to the will of his heavenly Father, whom he loves, as we've read, but also out of his great love, for each and every one of you, that he's willing and volunteering his life that we might have life. There's a false teaching out there that the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, took up residence within the man Jesus of Nazareth at the baptismal event when Jesus was baptized by John. 
And there's a false teaching that at that moment, that's when Jesus was kind of indwelt, if you will, by the second person of the Trinity, God the Son, took up residence within him. And then when Jesus was on the cross and he was about to die, God the Son just left him and Jesus the man died. That, 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 that's not true, and that is a false teaching. We understand with the incarnation that Jesus, the man, is the God-man, 100% God, 100% man. It's, a, it's something that our minds just kind of begin to explode as we begin to think of, but it is nonetheless true. And when Jesus died, and he did indeed do so, he didn't need to die for his own benefit. He didn't need to die because he had never sinned. Only those who have sinned have the wages of sin or the consequence of sin, which is death. He died for the benefit of you, the benefit of his sheep. That's a good shepherd saying, man, I will lay down my life for you. Before harm comes to you, I want it to come to me. That's how much I love you. That is a good, good shepherd. And when you contrast that with, look at verses 11 and 13, or to 13. He talks about being the good shepherd, and then he contrasts that in verse 12. Of he says, um, I lay down my life, verse 12, he who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who is not the owner of the sheep, he sees the wolf coming, and he leaves the sheep, and he flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and is not concerned about the sheep. I think it's a natural thing to kind of uh, want to save your own hide. I didn't know if I should share this story or not, but I'm going to because I think it, it makes the point. So years ago, uh, when I was pastoring in Oklahoma, we had an opportunity to partner with a church planter in Nebraska, and there were six of us that went on this mission trip uh, to do some work there with the planter. And as we were, we had an opportunity to go see some of the pretty countryside, and we got to see a part of the actual Oregon Trail, which I thought was really cool. I played the game when I was a kid, and I was like, okay, this is interesting, and we're hiking along the trail, and there were, again, six of us, so here's me, and here's Mary Lou, and here's Erica, and behind us is Tiffany, Bill, and Patrick, and we're walking along this trail, and we're just having a good time, and then next thing I know, uh, out of the corner of my eye, down right below my foot, uh, I see that on the trail there's something that is slithering and rattling. And I, uh, I would like to tell you that I was quite the man, but instead, uh, what I ended up doing, I went, ah, snake! And so, uh, the other thing that I accidentally did, though I, I think it proves my true valor and, and, and chivalry, is at that moment, Mary Lou, she's, she, she, she's probably about 70 years old at that time, uh, she's right next to me, and I go, ah, in a manly voice, ah, snake! And, and I, I push nudge out of the way from the snake, um, Mary Lou that way, and I do a hop and a skip, and I take off down the trail, and, and Mary Lou, just country girl, she's, she just started laughing, I was like, quit laughing, the snake's right there, and so I, I did not get to let it down, um, and it was shared when we had a time to kind of you know, have a testimony service that seemed to be, I was like, people, you know, we got to share the gospel, and that's the thing that you're taking away from this trip. But, but what we had is just a clear picture of an individual wanting to save his own hide, because that's just kind of, kind of what we do if we're, if we're being honest, is how, how could I be a little bit more comfortable, a little bit more protected in this, in this time and situation? And, and for Jesus to go, no, 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 no. I'm the true shepherd. I'm not a hired hand. 
I'm not just someone who was paid to do a job. And if you're just getting paid to do the job, it's like there's a bear, there's a lion, or there's a wolf versus me. Good luck, sheep. Enjoy that meal, bear. I mean, he's going to be delicious. I've been working with him. And Jesus is like, no, that is my sheep. Ah, whether it's a wolf or as we saw last week, a thief or a robber, I'm, I'm not going to allow you to sink your teeth into them. I'm willing to lay down my life, put my life at risk. In, in Romans chapter 3, I don't know if we have this one or not. If we do, just tell me and I'll look, I'll look at it. Romans chapter 3. Is it up there? Oh, it is. Good. Okay. So, you know this verse, right? I wish I had my pointy stick. Uh, so, in Romans chapter 3, you know this. If, if, you've been, if you've been in church, if you haven't, this is a great verse just of the truth of who you are in your sin. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. That's everyone. We're all included in that. Let's go to the next verse. It says here, being justified. See, sometimes we stop at verse 23. We go, oh, I love that verse. But do you read the rest of it? It's really good. Being justified as a gift by his grace through the redemption, which is in Christ Jesus. Let's go to the next one. Whom God displayed publicly as a propitiation in his blood through faith. This was to demonstrate his righteousness because in the forbearance of God, he passed over the sins, get this, previously committed. Some of you are like, you don't know what I did before. He is the propitiation of sin. He is appeasing the good and righteous wrath and justice and judgment of God upon sin upon himself so that he could pass over all your sins, past, present, future. Go to the next verse, last verse. For the demonstration, I say, of his righteousness at the present time, so that he would be, get this, he would be just. If God doesn't deal with sin, he is not just. Sin has to be dealt with. His wrath has to be appeased. And you want a God who is wrathful against sin. Because I don't know about you, but when I see clear evil, like human trafficking, I'm like, that should be dealt with in a just manner, because that is evil. When a child is abused, that is evil. When a woman is taken advantage of, that is evil. It should be dealt with. And if you don't believe me, watch all your favorite movies, and when you see the villain get it, there's a part of you that rejoices because evil got it. God wants to justly deal with it, but how does he deal with it justly but not contradict who he is in his holiness? Because he does it. He would be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. God can be both just and the justifier because he is holy and he is love. And he's willing to lay down his life. Man, we're going to, we're not, we're not done, but we're going to observe the supper. We're going to gather around the table now. So if you have your little packet with you, I, I hope that you're ready and that you're prepared. If you're not, if today is a day where you're like, I still have some things in my life, now is not the time. But maybe before you came in, now was not the time, but God has just been kind of getting your attention and you have been praying and you have been confessing and you're just like, I am distant from my good shepherd then what I'm asking you to do is, is in just a moment, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna read, uh, or I'm going to read some scripture to you. We're going to observe, and again, let's not just go through the motions of it. Let's remember what we read from Oswald Chambers. Let's remember what we just read from Romans. Let's remember that the good shepherd laid down his life for you. And maybe right now you are distant 
from your shepherd. May this be a moment, and this is part of what the Lord's Supper can do, maybe a moment where you rush back into his presence and go, here I am, I've been off on my own, but here I am. And so, it says that the Lord Jesus in the night in which he was betrayed took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Amen. But it wasn't just his broken body. It was his shed blood. And those of you that were with us in our MPA on Leviticus, you know just how, how important that blood is of the sacrifice of Jesus. Without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. His blood is life. And he laid it all out for us. It says again on that same night when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he gave it to them saying, drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for forgiveness of sin. Amen. You see the beauty of knowing the good shepherd personally is that a relationship with Jesus, the good shepherd, is not only personal and familial, but it's also redemptive. It's the whole point of him willing to lay down his life is that relationship that you have with Jesus. It's personal, familial, and it's redemptive. His willingness to go to the cross and have his body broken and his blood shed is so that you could be redeemed and brought back into a right relationship with God to be reconciled. And it's possible through his work on the cross and through your faith in him, trusting him and receiving him as Lord. Have you done that? Are you a part of the fold or is it, I think I am because I've been going to church long enough or is I know because when he calls, I hear him and I come running. Finally, the fourth and last thing is this. Jesus is the good shepherd because he protects his sheep. He protects his sheep. And when I was going through this, part of me was like, oh, well, should I end with Jesus died for his sheep? And I was like, no, no, no. I want to end with protection. Jesus protects his sheep. Some of you may even be thinking, well, of course he does. I mean, we just read that he laid down his life. What's more protective than that? But it's, it's so much more than that. Follow me here. This is good. And, and as we saw earlier in verse 12, there were those wolves who would flee the hired hands would, would flee from the wolves, flee from the enemy. And we understand that a good shepherd will fend off and protect those wolves. I, I told you earlier, about, again, my, my, my buddy Gail, with his cattle, as, as, as a good cattleman, I, don't, I think that's the right word, as a good cattleman, what he would do is he would, he would protect his cattle from predators, the elements, and, uh, and themselves. Can, can I tell you that the good shepherd does the same thing for you, his sheep? He protects you from the predators, the evil, satanic, the demonic. He protects you from that. It's, 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 it's more than just simply he laid down his life for you. It's he's continuing to protect you from, from the predators in this, in this world. But the other thing is uh, a, good, a good cattleman or a good shepherd is going to protect you from specifically also the elements, maybe 
physically speaking, like, like rain or like a mudslide or whatever it may be. I mean, you know the story, like if sheep get too wet with their wool, they just kind of fall over and they just sit there and they just can't get up because it's just too heavy. They need someone to pick them up and protect them from the, from the elements. We live in a world with a world system that is ruled by the prince of the air, and we need someone to protect us from that and to shine a, a, a huge beacon of light of this is how you navigate your life. And he protects us from the world, but he also protects us from ourselves. He protects you from the flesh that you still have. <laughs> he protects you from yourself. You need the good shepherd in your life more than just something that you throw up on the wall in some kind of pretty cursive writing that says, the Lord is my shepherd. Is he? Do you know him? When he calls, do you listen and respond in obedience or it's like, I'll consider it? Do you know that he died for you and that currently he is protecting you even from yourself? He's willing to say no to some of the things that you say, but I want to do it this way. He's a good shepherd. But again, his protection even goes beyond much deeper than that. A relationship with Jesus is not just personal, it's familial, it's redemptive, but here's the grandest thing of the protection of our shepherd is that your relationship with Jesus is also eternal. It's everlasting. That's what you have in him. Look at verses 27, 28, and 29. We're almost done. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them, note that, I give them uh, eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of the Father's hand. To be a sheep in the flock of the good shepherd is an eternal reality. Jesus makes forgiveness of sin, salvation, eternal life. He makes it possible, but he also keeps it maintained or sustained in your relationship. He protects you now and forever. You will never perish. You're saved once and for all. Salvation is not mine to gain or to lose. We read it. It's his to give. Will you receive it as a gift? It's his that he's offering to you. And some of you, I hope and pray that your relationship with Christ is indeed true. But are you still trying to work for his approval and you're just exhausted right now that maybe he's going to stop loving me and caring for me if I don't continue? And it's like, no, no, no. We come to worship together and, 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 and protect the coming together as the saints of the church and we continue to do ministry, not out of pure obligation, but out of love because of what he's done for us. Because I know that there's nothing I could do more to make him love me. And there's nothing I could do less to make him love me. He just loves me to the point that he knows me. He calls me. He protects me. He died for me. And I'm his now and forever. Some of you may have seen this, but I asked Titus if he would bring me a little man. And he brought me a little man. You probably can't see this on the video, but this is uh, I feel like this is a Star Wars Lego, which is just fantastic. And so here's this little Lego man or Lego woman, uh, whichever your uh, uh, gender. But imagine this is you and you're walking through life. And sometimes there's a teaching out there that you're going to lose your salvation, that you got to keep working to do it, that you're not eternally secure. But what I love is that when we read this passage, it says 
that you are in Jesus' hand. There's other passages where it specifically uses the preposition that you are in Christ. So there you are. You're in Christ, and you are sealed up. But it also says that you're in the Father's hand. You are in the Father because you are in Christ. And it's sealed up. We also know from the book of Ephesians, I couldn't find one just a little bit bigger, so go with it. All illustrations <laughs> fail. I'm not saying the Holy Spirit is bigger and better. They're all great. I love the whole person of the Trinity. But then it also says that we are sealed by the gift and the person of the Holy Spirit. And you are sealed tight. You are in Christ, in the Father, in the Holy Spirit, in God for eternity. I thought about getting like a bucket, but this thing was too big. And I was going to like submerge it and be like, dry as a bone. You're in Christ. Man, I do not want you walking away to going today, man, do I know Jesus? Does Jesus know me? Scripture is plain and clear. You're saved by grace through faith in Christ alone. Are you in Christ? And that requires your faith. Trusting in him because he's a good, good shepherd. Our time for response this morning is simply this. This is what I'm asking you to do. Is that you would trust in the good shepherd. That you would listen to him. Choose to draw near to him, to be close to him, because he's good. I want to follow. And I was thinking about this question. In all sincerity, could you ask and answer this question is, who is the shepherd of your soul? Because there is a shepherd that we read of in Psalm 23 that many of you know, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. Man, that is a good shepherd. And that shepherd leads you to the pasture of life everlasting. But there's also in Psalm 49, a shepherd who leads you to the wasteland of death. Who's the shepherd of your soul? Are they leading you to life or to death? And can I tell you right now, if some, for some reason you've taken the reins of your life to live how you want to, you're not the good shepherd and you will lead yourself to wasteland and you will lead yourself to destruction and to death because we're a danger unto ourselves. We need the good shepherd to trust and to follow. And what I want to invite you to do is, in just a moment, I want to give you a chance just to express your gratitude to the Good Shepherd with prayer. An opportunity to be able just to, to call out to Him. And, and I'm going to give us an extended time for that. I know we had a prayer time earlier, but in light of the truth that we've heard, I feel that it's something that we need to allow ourselves to sit in for just a moment before we're done and before we're dismissed. So would you bow your head? Would you close your eyes? And would you just take a moment just to pray and praise the Good Shepherd?
as you're praying, who's the shepherd of your soul? Who's the shepherd of your soul? Is it Jesus? Is it the world? Is it you? Oh, I've tried to be the shepherd in my life. It doesn't end well. Who's the shepherd of your soul right now? And are you trusting the good shepherd? Maybe you're hurt. In the deep recesses of your heart for some reason or other. It's hard to be in his presence when you don't trust him. But I hope that you've seen the evidence that he is worthy to be trusted today. So maybe if you're a little bit distant, he's calling you. Will you go run to him? He's calling you. You're in his flock. Don't let there be a distance between you and the shepherd of your soul. think in your heart and your mind that if he is the shepherd of your soul and he's that good to trust and to follow then maybe you're struggling with spending some time with them for this reason or that reason maybe even your mind right now just go ahead and set an appointment for you to steal away some time with the good shepherd shared this on Thursday night with a bunch of college students. If it's truly important to you, you'll schedule it and make it happen. We schedule important things, doctor's appointments, birthday parties. There's nothing more important than you stealing away time with the Good Shepherd. You need to be in His presence. thing, just as your pastor and as your under-shepherd, every head bowed and every eye closed, I wonder if there would be some of you who would say, you're obviously not giving me particulars, but you would just be willing to say, you know what? Pray for me. I need to be just a little bit closer to the Good Shepherd. I've distanced myself from Him, His Word, His people. I need to be in His presence. Would you pray for me? If, if, if that's you, again, just a way to engage with the truth. Just raise your hand and I'll see your hand and I will pray for you this week. Thank you. Yeah, I'll pray for you too. You just say, man, I would love for you to pray for me this week. I know your prayers aren't any more powerful than mine, but it's just something to know that a, a brother in Christ or a pastor is willing to intercede on behalf, on my behalf to the creators. Anybody else who would say, man, I just want to be a little bit closer to the shepherd. Just raise your hand, put it back down, and I'll pray for you. I see your hand. Yeah. Anyone else? Anyone else?
Well, Father, I do. I pray for these individuals that have been bold enough to share with me the desire of their heart to want to just be a little bit closer. They feel distant from you, and our feelings are powerful. I pray, Lord, that you would remind them that you are good. And if we know that you're good and we can trust you, we're just more naturally inclined to want to get into your presence. And I pray for all of us that we would do that this week, that we'd be reminded this week as we're in Holy Week of your great love for us, that you'd be willing to lay down your life for us and then have the power and the authority to take it up again because you are so good, so powerful, so capable. Father, forgive us when we are distant from you and try to take the reins. Thank you that you're good and gracious and patient with us. Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you guys would look up here.